It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Hey guys, welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin over here in LA. We've got Mike over in London. What's up, bro? Yo, how's it going? Good, good. Just sitting over here waiting for the Super Bowl, which is coming soon. Bengals, Rams. I know you had a heartbreaker with those 49ers losing. It's tough. Very tough. So I think we we agreed that it's, it's all about the Bengals now. Let's go, Bengals. Even though I live in LA... Look, I could I can deal with Stafford winning the Super Bowl. I really like Stafford. But how can you not love this underdog team? And not even really underdogs at this point with what they've proven. But if they fucking do this, it's unbelievable. It's totally unbelievable. I mean, Joe Burrow in just his second year, bro. Wow. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. I'll tell you this. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Two, two quarterbacks that people can get behind. Some great teams. It's... For me, at least, it feels finally like a Super Bowl where I actually really like all like a lot of the players that are on the field on each side. Yeah, agreed. Well, outside of football, there is a uh, a certain movie that just came out on Friday. Jackass Forever comes out. And so we had to do top five MTV Entertainment Studios films. Um, it's pretty insane, Mike, how long a list of films they've actually made. Yeah, it's actually kind of a lot. It's I, so many. Yeah, I totally forgot. I've probably seen, I don't know, somewhere around half, but there's like 60, 50, something like that. So, I mean, obviously I knew they had a handful, but like when I went in and I was like, okay, let's see the list. I thought it was going to be like maybe 20 long at most. It's like 40, 50 long. Yeah, it's, it's long. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that like. I mean, as we get into this list, I feel like there's quite a few things. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was MTV. But, you know, the Johnny Knoxville and the boys, they had to they had to stir this up out of us. Big jackass fans growing up. And uh, without further ado, before we get into the list, we're going to talk about our spotlight this week. Jackass forever. So opening night, we both went to the to the movie um, separately. Me in L.A., Mike in London. I went with a couple of the hometown crew, Kramer and Larry. Big shout out. Beautiful. Beautiful. As well as to, you know, multiple time podcast, Dill Infinity. So it's a great little crew. Lots of lots of all ages spanning in the theater. Even saw a group of high school kids reminded me of all of us going in high school. But but I'm just going to say, Mike, I, I I'm gonna guess you're gonna have the same reaction as me but my god what a delightful treat this this one was up there man and it was just uh, it's a little bit hard to like rate them because you have the very recent experience of seeing this in the theater whereas Mm -hmm. i haven't seen obviously the other ones in the theater for more than 10 years you know but this is just it's such a great theater movie and i had a great experience as well here it was the most people i've seen in a movie since since the with theaters has opened again in like summer of 2021. So that was great. And it was just, everyone was having a great time, me included. Oh, it's just, you're seeing old friends on the screen. And yes. obviously we're not going to talk really about any of the stunts. You want it to be fresh for you guys when you go in. I, I do think Jackass is one of the most, uh, for lack of a better word, sacred movie theater experiences. There's not many yes. movies that are as fun to see with a live audience for the first time on the big screen. And I thought it was really cool how in this one, the one thing I will say about it is you obviously have all of the, you know, the old crew minus of course, Ryan Dunn, rest in peace. And then bam, who unfortunately is just not well right now, but anyways, it's, it's a shame he's not in it, of course, but everyone else is there. Plus, they bring in sort of this new younger uh, cast of characters that were all, for the most part, big Jackass fans growing up. And it's I thought they did a really good job. I mean, it's not like these guys 
are in it anymore. It's it's the regular crews in it the most, but these guys are just are there. They're part of the crew now. And it's I thought it was a really well done just, you know, sequel 20 years later after, you know, this all started and just could not have been a more fun time in the theater. Yeah, completely agree. And I do hope that this I mean, I think this would be a great transition movie to get more frequent Jackass movies focusing on the new cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I hope that we get this. It's been way too long. And I think from the reviews I've seen, and I have a feeling just based on the theater experiences we've had, people are, are going to really like this and uh, hopefully convince them to make more movies. Yeah, I hope so. I really think even if the boys are getting a little too old to to do some of the crazier shit, like yeah, going yeah, forward yeah. after this one, as long as they are there, like introducing, cheering it on, they just they need to be in it, in my opinion. But they don't necessarily need to be doing the stunts. Yeah. These new people are great, dude. And I tell you what, it was I had kind of just neglected the fact that we hadn't ever seen this before, mm-hmm. really, but. It was great to have a woman as a cast member. I mean, that Rachel Wolfson, she's she's a savage, and I would love to see her in other films. And it made me realize just how much that aspect was missing, you know? I could not agree more, and she fucking killed it. Yeah, I don't want to give away any stunts, obviously, but, like, she was incredible. Yeah, then, of course, great cameos, which we won't spoil, and as usual with the Jackass films, the intro is just something else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. It's just, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just smiling thinking about it. It was so fucking great to see you in the theater. I, I couldn't agree more. What a, what a fantastic time. And if you even thought twice about it, the critics and the fans together don't lie. We've got like an 89, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. We've got an, by the critics, 96% by the fans. Go see Jackass Forever. Absolutely. All right. Well, now that we've talked about that, we got to get into our top five MTV Entertainment Studios films. Let's. You want to lead us off today? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. My number five is, you know, I'll be the first to admit that this film has its flaws, but I'm I'm kind of a sucker for th- what it's doing, and I think it's a lot better than some of the ratings it's got. So I decided to give it a little bit of a bump, move it into my number five, make it on the list. That's 2015's Project Almanac. Ooh. This is a, it's like a found footage sci-fi film about some kids that invent a time machine. What the fuck? Dude, I've never seen this. (laughs) Well, I I think, you know, and frankly, the rest of my list all takes place in like a four-year period. So, you know, I think there was sort of a golden age and like I haven't seen a lot of the later ones, but like I gave this one a shot and I mean, I'm big into time travel shit. I think we talked about that on our sort of mindfuck episode. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a found footage guy. I'm pretty much always like found footage movies. And yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to think of who's in this. Oh, Sophia Black D'Elia is in it. Who's in, uh, you know, the Mick, single drunk female, a bunch of other stuff. So that's pretty cool. And uh, the lead is Johnny Weston, who is, I don't know, he's only really had small roles, I would say, um, in like those Divergent movies, for example. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of, I don't know. First of all, I think Johnny Weston in this, I just thought it was a great match. Like it felt like he was almost naturalistic. Like he was really nailing the type of acting that needed to be done for a found footage movie. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of like the time travel stuff, I don't know that it was like, sort of breaking in new ground, but it was also a, a pretty enjoyable addition. I think there were some predictable moments, but again, at the same time, I think it was a really well-crafted script. I actually pretty much liked the effects um, all around. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of ambitious and it's really enjoyable. I would give this one a shot. All right. I mean, you know that I'm also into sci-fi, also like time travel, and that I also fuck with found footage. I will give this one a shot and I will let our all of our listeners know how it goes. Okay. Love it. Wow. Number five. Well, I can say also my five lie in a pretty I think they lie all in that sweet spot, perhaps. Mike. Okay, nice. Interesting. It just there's a lot of classics that came out 
we'll even I'm going to give them a little more credit over about a 10 year period. Okay. But I'm going to start by bringing us to 2002. And my pick is Orange County. Okay. Okay. First of all, I didn't know that you were an Orange County fan. Uh, Second of all, I have it higher. But lastly, it's my number four. So just go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Amazing. So honestly, it just snuck onto my list. There was one other movie that I almost put on there. But I then was like, no, 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 no. This this movie, it's funny because I feel like so many people like it. But at the same time, I feel like it's somewhat underrated. Does that make sense, Mike? No, it's, it's super underrated. Yeah, well, it's super underrated. But I feel like when you talk to other people, especially that grew up in sort of the same time frame as us, you know, yeah. we were born in 89, teenagers at the time that this came out, young teenagers. I feel like there's a big affinity for it and a soft spot, but it doesn't get brought up all the time. Like, it's not one of those movies that's just like absolutely remembered by no, everyone. It's, it's a bit forgotten. I would agree. Yeah, it's a bit forgotten. So this, the cast, first of all, is great. Incredible. You've got Colin Hanks in the in the lead role. Then, of course, you have Jack Black, who just is. is Could he be any better? Peak Mike? Form. Peak, form. Peak. Then you've got Catherine O'Hara. You've got John Lithgow. Lily Tomlin. I mean, you've got some big names in this Errol thing. Errol Ramis, James Adams, Ben Dude. Stiller cameo. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Directed by Jake Kasdan, by the way, who has also done, um, he did the Jumanji films, the new Walk ones. Hard, Bad Teacher. Sex Tape. Yeah, that's right. But the movie as a whole, so it obviously takes place in Orange County. Colin Hanks plays this guy, Sean. He wants to become a writer and he decides that he wants to attend Stanford so that he can study under this writer who is the author of this book that he like finds on the beach. Then you've got Jack Black, who's playing like his stoner brother. Fucking his mom is Catherine O'Hara. Is it O'Hara or O'Hara? I always fuck it up. Go ahead. I love her so much. I think it's O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. We can put that to rest. Uh, and then we got, yeah, then we got his dad is is John Lithgow, who's married to Leslie Mann. Incredible. Mike, give us give us a little bit more about this. I don't want to steal all the thunder on it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So basically, he he doesn't get into Stanford um, and he has to like go through this wacky adventure to try to reverse that, basically, and figure out a way that he'll still be able to attend Stanford. And, well, I, you know, it is a wacky adventure, but it's also only 82 minutes. So it feels like, you know, if this was released at another time, there would be like an additional half hour of adventure that he never goes on. And it's much mm-hmm. appreciated. He has like a few wacky moments and then it's over. And you're like, wow, lesson learned. And it's it's kind of great in that way, you know, just lots of laughs. Um, obviously, the cast is great. You know, you get kind of. This this nice little life lesson at the end there, um, where obviously we won't spoil sort of what happens, but it's um, man, I have to tell you, I don't know if you picked this up. I never knew this until today. I was just poking around the Wikipedia, and they had they had an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review of this film. Yeah, which I just assumed would not be good, considering the critic score is forty seven percent in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh huh. He gave it three out of four stars and said it's one of those happy projects where everything seems to fall naturally into place. It will sound like the kind of movie that if you're over 17, you don't usually go to see, but it isn't. It's one of those movies where the description can't do justice to the experience. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. it's like, what? Really? But it is kind of like that. I don't know. It's just like it's a really tight, it's well done, funny little project that delivers way more than you're expecting. Yes, that is a great way to put it. And it just it's just it's it's a lot more than you're expecting. And it's it's definitely underrated. It's gone. It's gone under the radar for a long time. And if you've never seen it, you should see it. Look at all those people that are involved in it. Also, we forgot to mention it's written by Mike White. That's right. Yeah. And he has a small role in the film, too. Yes. And he's obviously on a tear right now being the creator writer of White Lotus on HBO which is just killing it. And he he's worked with Jack Black a lot, as well as being a writer and producer on Dawson's Creek and Freakin', Freaks and Geeks back in the day. And Jake Kasdan directed a bunch of episodes of Freaks and Geeks as well. Exactly. Yeah. So these guys, those guys have collaborated too quite a bit. 
also just the the constant use of butterfly by crazy town just it, it just hit me so much better in 2022 i just absolutely loved it even Wait, more mike can i tell you something and it must have been subconscious because of that i'm like freaking out right now i was about to say to you like literally about to say to you that quoting the title of a great little red hot chili pepper song the movie's a pretty little ditty which is literally if you've ever listened to that song it's on mother's milk by the chili peppers that is the actual like instrumental of what they sing butterfly over oh yeah right 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 wow well done well done stars aligning but yeah orange county if you've never seen it how can you resist that cast great little coming of age tale it's awesome so okay yeah so orange county was my number four so we're going right back to you for your number four. Well, in that case, I am going to take us to 1999 to Varsity Blues. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're a big Varsity Blues guy. Love it. Hey, I mean, you've got my man, Paul Walker. Rest in peace. We've got James Vanderbeek. Speaking of Dawson's Creek, who else we got in this? Scott. We got Scott Kahn. Obviously, we have Allie Larder. Ron Lester. Rest in peace. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Yes, we have Ali Larder. We have John Voight. I mean, that's really all we need to say. I mean, so this comes out. It's a football movie. If you've never seen it, a lot of this is parodied in the movie, not another teen movie. So 1999, this came out in just the era of getting tons of high school coming of age, rom-com, comedies, and... This one's great. I mean, it's got a stellar cast. It's got the football aspect to it, which gives it almost like a little bit of a Friday Night Lights vibe before Friday Night Lights came out. And it's just, for me, in a high school sort of, you know, coming of age sort of rom-com vibe, I really want good characters. I want some great laughs. I want a nice little love story. And you kind of get it all in this. And and the characters are really good, I think. But And, of course, you get the famous, very famous whipped cream bikini scene. Yes, you do. And yes, you my do. my love for Allie Larder is it's well publicized at this point. It knows no bounds. Uh, it is serious. And <laughs> that, uh, still, that being said, I think we talked about this on our football episode, whatever the hell that was. Yeah, I'm, I'm just – the last time I watched this – I realized I, I'm no longer a fan. I, maybe maybe it'll come back, but there's something about the tone of this movie where, okay, so besides the actual carryover of Ron Lester into not another teen movie, which is incredible, which is incredible. There are scenes in this movie that are like indistinguishable from not another teen movie. It's like a self parody <laughs> in real time. Like it's it's so confusing for my brain, and like maybe I have to go watch it again. But like the last time I watched it, it just didn't work for me. Ugh, that hurts me. That hurts me inside, Mike. I did love it when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, I just I maybe maybe another time. I have to check it out again. I don't I know. I still what get it was. some I still get some great charm out of it. I, I still just get some great I love charm. that you love it. Uh it's just it's not age well for me. Okay. Okay. I'll accept it. I'll be sad, but I'll accept it. Okay. All right, my number three. Uh a movie that has aged well, um, that I it's a bit of a controversial film, and I'm one of the people that was like not all the way in when it came out, and it has really just like aged so well for me, and that is 2004's Napoleon Dynamite. Interesting. Are you a Napoleon Dynamite guy? I am very much not oh, a Napoleon yes. Dynamite Okay, guy. fantastic. I, <laughs> You know what? I'll let you go into it, but I'll just say I used to absolutely hate it. Now, you know, I can sit through it, but no, it's not my type of humor. Okay, perfect. Thanks for making my point, because that's that's what it was like when this came out, right? I mean, there's just people that absolutely hated it, and there was people that just absolutely loved it, right? And uh, I think it's still like that, because it's just a weird, kind of quirky, sort of original voice, and that was what made it so charming. And I think it started or kind of came out in the beginning, I'll say, I don't want to... Over overstate it, but came out in the beginning. I think of a lot of quirky indies that ended up doing well at the box office um, and kind of taking over. So it's kind of part of a wave, but it's 
Yeah, it's it's just man, everything about this movie just just absolutely kills me. The the Rex Quando, dude, the dance scene. I mean, all the characters are so rich and it's like I said, it's just really original. I was the guy like I'm not necessarily proud of this, but like I was a person that had a vote for Pedro shirt back in 2004 and I just I, yeah, man, this is just a it's a really fun movie that I think still sticks out for me to this day because as much as there's I don't want to say imitators but there's there's similar movies in concepts let's say um or even style at times but like nothing it's hard to compare this to really any other film it's still a pretty unique movie that is a good point and true and that's one thing I'll give it despite that I really don't like it it does have its own voice and it is a unique endeavor that has not really been replicated. And it's what's funny. And like, it honestly, it, it annoys me that I dislike it so much. Cause I want to like it. There's a lot of like offbeat humor films that I feel like I am into. And it almost makes me feel like what isn't clicking for me that I don't like this one. I just, it, it doesn't connect with me. It just doesn't do it and never has. And when it came out, it was sort of a love hate, but most of the people that I'm like, most of my friends growing up thought it was hysterical. And I felt like I'm not in on the joke. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I've watched this a couple times. See if I think it's good. Nope. Don't like it. But with that said, why it's probably left a lasting impression. Right, Mike? And I think also the the story behind it is great. You know, I mean, Jared Hess and John Hader were, they basically started the short version of it uh, in school. Then they brought it to Sundance, sold it, optioned it into a full-length script, and then you know premiered it at Sundance as a full movie the next year. So, I yeah, I'm just a big fan. I, I love the idea. Well, I'm glad we had something a little bit of controversy between us on the list right there. So, I am on my number three, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom in between. 2002 and 1999 now. I'm going to go to 2001. All right. Okay. For the one and only Zoolander. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I took some chances with my list. This was one of them. So I left Zoolander off. Wow. And I'm very okay. glad you left it. Okay. Well, here we freaking go. What's there, what's there to say? Some of these jokes still have endured today. Is this a center for ants? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, okay. In the so hot right now meme, I just love that that's still a gigantic thing <laughs> it's on the internet. Still a thing. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I mean, so Ben Stiller, this is obviously his brainchild. He in part wrote it, he directed it, he stars in it as, you know, the lead character, um, Derek Zoolander. We've got Owen Wilson, who we all love. We've got Will Ferrell as the evil Mugatu. We've got Mia Djokovic is in this. We've got Jerry Stiller, John Voight. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. <laughs> it's so good. He's a cool dude. Oh, and then, of course, also, how could it? We have, of course, Christine Taylor. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. And Stiller's wife. But yeah, man. Oh, my Lord. So silly. If you somehow don't know what this movie's about, Stiller plays Derek Zoolander, ah, Zoolander, Derek Zoolander, who is a very, very dumb supermodel. It turns into a plot where one of the top people in the entire fashion industry, Mugatu, they're supposed to assassinate the prime minister of Malaysia, who is going to like harm the, the fashion industry business. And so... Mugatu and then Mori, who's Derek's agent, who that's played by Ben Stiller's dad, Jerry Stiller, may he rest in peace. They are going to brainwash Derek into killing this prime minister. And it sort of takes off from there. It's a, you know, it's a satire on the fashion industry. It's just hysterical. And it's like Stiller and, and Owen Wilson teaming up. That is just a match made. Speaking of, of on-screen chemistry, that is a match made in heaven. They are just ridiculous in this. The the my, it's in the computer. <laughs> oh, and they're all they're all like those Apple computers, aren't they? 
Yes, yes, I oh think, right? Like yeah, the old ones colorful. we used in like Yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my god, yeah. Also the the gasoline fight. So good. We'll have to do the, an episode on this specifically, but this is definitely in my top five of movies. I just did not like at all when it came out. I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever and I hate it. And then realized that I was an idiot and I was the stupidest thing ever because it's just fucking incredible. It's it's just so funny. Also, like the amount of cameos are absolutely ridiculous from David Duchovny, Vince Vaughn's in this, Alexander Skarsgård, Justin Thoreau, Andy Dick, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Tony Canal, no doubt, Patton Oswald, David Bowie. This could just go on and on because it's actually that outrageous of a list. But I got to give a shout out to my man, Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit. He's in there. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. And I, since you mentioned it with, with Vince Vaughn, dude, the entire like 10 minutes where he goes home to be a coal miner just <laughs> absolutely slays me. And Vince Vaughn just like in the background shaking his head. Yes. Like, I think I got the black lung pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> dude it's so good oh my god great great pick yeah i you know had to make some tough decisions but i felt good being able to leave that off knew you would have it um, there we go I'm absolutely glad you cashed in on that fucking amazing okay my number two going to 2005 uh actually i think my number one's from 2005 as well so i'm staying in that mid 2000s zone forever and this is a film that, you know, I saw it when it came out. It was a, you know, a pretty popular film for MTV. And I, I just I hadn't really thought much about it since then. Uh, and I certainly hadn't seen it since then. So I gave it a shot. And it's, it was even better than I had remembered, honestly. Uh, and that is Hustle and Flow. Oh, nice. So this is, uh, you know, written and directed by our guy Craig Brewer. Of course, goes on to do Black Snake Moan. But but actually, and then, you know, I, he didn't really have any big projects for a while, I would say. But now it's like he just did Dolomite's My Name, Coming to America. Um, he does a bunch of stuff on Empire. So I think he's, I don't even want to call it a resurgence, but I think he's just as popular, if not more popular now um, than when he was making those movies. You know, I've never seen this, Mike. I've always meant to and I never oh, have. Dude, it's really good. It's really, really good. I remember that it got like good reviews. I, yeah, I, I got to see it. I think Terrence Howard got nominated for Best Actor, and he's incredible in it. Um, but the it's the song that won like Best Song, uh, which like probably shouldn't, but that's a separate note. Um, but yeah, so Terrence Howard plays a pimp who you know he kind of gets inspired by another, uh, say, local Memphis rapper who's now famous, played by Ludacris, and uh, decides to start rapping. And so he has like you know, kind of the women uh, that work for him who include Taraji P. Henson and uh, Taryn Manning. And then he has like a little crew that helps him get his music off the ground, which is Anthony Anderson and DJ Qualls. Dude, what a cast. Dude, it's great. And, and as you know, big DJ Qualls fan. Uh, yes, always yeah. have been super underrated. And, um, you know, the thing with is like, for I mean, first off, Darren Tower is amazing in it. He's really, really, really fucking good. But what I think Craig Brewer is good at and what really shows in this movie is all of those people I just mentioned are awesome characters. Like they all have, they're all really rich. They all have a lot of little wrinkles um, throughout the story that, that they kind of love all of them at different times. And then kind of the, the relationships that they have with each other um, and sometimes with themselves just set up all these great little moments. So all of them have these great interactions. There's several like really awesome um, like monologues. Uh, like Terrence Howard has a couple, but even DJ Qualls has this little speech he gives about like how um, sort of rap is returning to the South, um, which I think has only become more true since this movie came out. And it has like a lot of humor built in as well. It's it's a really really good movie. Yeah. I'm I was very impressed with the writing, and I I couldn't believe how much um, I liked it. And I I really feel like people don't talk about it anymore, unfortunately. Dude, I absolutely need to see this. It's funny because you're right. I don't hear people talk about it that much anymore. But 
but it is a critically acclaimed movie. Totally. It's, I mean, it's a movie, like a title you would know, but yeah, I don't hear people talking about it enough. Well, sounds like a movie that I'm going to have to uh, watch for a catch-up episode one of these days. I would definitely do that. Well, number two, eh? What you got? Man, my number two and my number one, not going to lie, it was a tough call. It was a tough call. Two movies that I, I really love up at the top here, but for my number two, I ended up going with... 1999's South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Love it. Truly, I can say this all these years later, still one of my favorite comedies of all time. I was always a big South Park guy growing up. I'm a, I'm a bit ashamed to say that I've fallen off a bit, not because I don't still think it's great, just I don't know. It just I haven't watched it in a number of years. But this movie to me is still absolutely genius on every level. I love Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They just absolutely kill him in this on every level. A big fan of all their movies, but this is forever will be my personal favorite. It's a cool 81 minutes, you know, similar to Orange County at that 82 minutes. It's short and sweet. I mean, you've got the whole gang. You've got Cartman. You've got Stan. You've got Kyle. And you've got fucking Kenny. Um, And of course, you've got Chef. But, um... Yeah, I mean, this, it's on another level. I love that all of their shit are also musicals. I think the songs in this are absolutely hysterical. I still sing some of these songs today. Blame Canada, um, Uncle Fucker, uh, What Would Brian Boitano Do? One of maybe my favorite, honestly. But I mean, man, growing up, this coming out when you're 10 years old, it's like the most inappropriate thing you've ever seen at that age. So of course you want to see it and it's hysterical. It's got the raunchiest comedy, but seriously, it's like the way that these guys can poke fun at every single ethnicity, religious group, this or that nobody's safe, nobody's safe. And that's what you love about these guys is, you know, they're not going after one person. They're going after everyone. And if you've never seen, I mean, I can't really explain too much about South Park right now. If you've never seen it, I mean, it, it's a show that takes place in the tiny town of South Park, Colorado. And the movie is essentially about that. There is this movie that they're, that they are obsessed with seeing in this film. It's this Terrence and Phillip, this, this comedy duo's new film called asses of fire. And the boys want to go see it. They, are able to get into the theater with some swindle, swindling of a homeless man. Their parents end up finding out that they've seen it because they start swearing a lot, which is what they see in the film. So they're not allowed to go see the film again. They do anyway. And this leads into just an outrageous plot line where Terrence and Philip are like arrested as like fucking war criminals. And the boys want to go rescue Terrence and Philip. Um, I, Mike, I feel like there's so much more to it, but I just didn't know how to like. Well, it also has Satan. It, yeah. <laughs> Saddam Hussein. Satan and Saddam Hussein. That that was the other thing I was gonna try to sneak in there. They're they're there. Uh, but yeah, man, it's hard to believe that this is it's, it's been this long. It's 1999, but Dude. I mean, you know, South Park is definitely not a show that pulls punches for being on you know cable television. Um, but this is, it's exactly what it says it is, right? It's what if, what if we could just do literally anything we want? Uh, I guess supposedly within an R rating, but, but you know what I mean? And how can we, how can we make South Park, South Park year? And it's great. And George Clooney voices one of the characters. Oh, I didn't, I kind of forgot that. I'm forgetting his exact name, but he plays a doctor in it, which is of course hilarious. Oh, the I forget ER that. Oh my God. But yeah, man, I just, again, I could rant about this movie, so I'll, I'll cut it here. But the point is, I think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. I think that the songs in this are some of the catchiest songs put on the screen in a film. And you won't be disappointed if you like a raunchy comedy. This is just everything and more. Completely agree all the way around. Well, shit. So that's my number one now. That's your number one. Okay. I'm, I'm like already thinking ahead to what your number one is and I maybe know. Okay. My number one, totally different direction. I've still taken so many chances, but you keep, you keep filling in. That's why I'm, I'm very concerned that your number one is what I think it is, but I digress. My number one back to 2005 
a, a rather formulaic film that I just don't care what anybody says. It's just always got me. Uh, and, and it's impacted me more than every other film that's set up exactly the same way. And that is Coach Carter. Dude. As you were setting it up, I was like, I know what he's going to pick. I know what he's going to pick. Coach Carter's great. It's so fucking great, dude. I don't know. And it's like, it's so, I mean, 64% Rotten Tomatoes, which is, you know, fresh. It's solid, right? But 85% audience. And I feel like that's everybody I talk to, you know, is like, this film is actually fucking great. And, uh, you know, it's about uh, Samuel Jackson plays Coach Carter, who is based on, uh, or, well, I guess, you know, Ken Carter is a real person, and this is like, I don't know exactly how accurate it is, but it's based on what he did, um, coaching a, a high school basketball team. A lot of the kids on the team are, you know, going through various troubles. Like one of them is uh, selling drugs. One of them, I mean, the, he has a pregnant girlfriend, and I don't want to say what happens with there, but like that gets fucking serious, especially for a film like this, for sure. Um, and, and long story short, it's, you know, Samuel Jackson trying to help these kids regardless of, of what's going on on the basketball court, helping them, you know, grow up to be sort of, you know, better young men. And it's, yeah, I mean, just on that description alone, you could think of a million movies that are just like this, but something about this one just works. And I just love that Samuel Jackson, he like leads by like giving respect to the kids like he always calls everybody sir which i which i just think is hilarious and then uh you know he asks them to be better people for themselves you know and then they eventually see that what he's doing is is right for everybody and i think a lot of sports movies you know they are sure they're focused on the journey but mostly it's about winning something and this one is one of those sports movies that's more about you know, who you are and trying to just become a better person and what sports can mean for everybody, you know? And, and I think also as, as sports uh, participation declines among sort of the youth of America, I think this is the part of sports that I personally have sort of an idealistic, maybe nostalgic view um, where a coach is just a, a molder of young men and women uh, more than they are uh, about winning games, you know? Dude, I really, you know what I think about Coach Carter, Mike? I think it just came out at the wrong time. It was in a period of quite a few sports films coming out. Yeah, it got a little lost. It got a little lost. Yeah. It's like if it had come out, I don't know. I, I don't know what year to throw out in relation to 2005. Maybe let's just say, I don't know, five years later. There, there was a period where I feel like they were a lot less frequent. And if it came out in that period, I feel like maybe people would have latched onto this more. Maybe... Again, not that the critics are everything, but maybe instead of a 60 some odd, maybe it would have had like a high 70s, low 80s from the critics and, you know, the same, if not even higher from the from the audience. It just got a little lost, but it's it's so good. Also, Channing Tatum's in it. So, I mean, no big deal. There's that early Channing, early Channing and Ashanti's in it. So, I mean, hit play, you know, that's enough for me. Go watch Coach Carter. Just do it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. You're making a mistake if you haven't seen it and you like sports movies. Facts. Great number one. Definitely a couple shocking omissions on your list. Not going to lie. I was definitely banking on you having some on your list. That was helping me make cuts, which is not always the right strategy, but so far it's paying off. Yeah, it's mostly paid off. There's there's a couple that hurt me to leave off as well, and we'll get to those in a few. But first, I'm going to take us to the only place that this list could ever end for me. That's 2006. Jackass number two. Yes. The the inspiration for this episode. Jackass Forever, of course. The fourth Jackass. But this is the second one. Came out in 2006. Starring the cast of characters that we know and love. Johnny Knoxville. Steve-O. Bam Margera. Chris Pontius, a.k.a. Party Boy. Ryan Dunn. May he rest in peace. Wee Man. Preston Lacey. Dave England. Aaron... I always forget how to say Aaron's last name. Danger Aaron. We're just going to say Danger Aaron. Yeah. You know, some of the other obvious classics in there, like Spike Jones, Brandon DiCamillo, and of course, directed by Jeff Tremaine. So if there's a few things I really, really loved growing up, one of them was Jackass. 
it's like a comfort food for me. I can legitimately watch these movies over and over and over again. You know, a lot of people, it wears on them a little bit. It's like they already know the the stunts. Nope, nope, nope. Not only for me is watching these movies for the first time, like the most exciting movie experience I can have, but especially with this one, I can just watch it over and over. I just absolutely love it. And so if you don't know what the Jackass movies are about at all, there's just a group of group of guys that decided they're going to be jackasses and try to do a bunch of ridiculous stunts, um, both very physical stunts and also sometimes, you know, sort of ones that are emotionally taking a toll on people. And it's all just absolutely fucking hysterical. And I really do think that they they hit the, the best one is number two. Even Steve-O did an interview in the past week or two where he was asked to say his favorite, and he he said number two. And it's probably because, as was brought up in this interview, that legitimately all of them were just so into it at that point that they were just ready to die for jackass, which is probably not a good thing, but they do the craziest fucking shit because of it. And I'll, I'll never forget seeing this. I, I think I might have talked about this. I'm, I'm forgetting. We've done so many episodes now. But back in the day, we talked about our favorite movie experiences ever with with my brother, Dylan Cohen. And Jackass 2, I'll never forget. I went to the theater in the late afternoon after school, saw the movie, crying, laughing throughout the whole thing. I get out of the theater. And the way this theater was set up, Mike, this was the one at the the Milford Mall in Connecticut. Oh, word. And the way that theater set up is it's on the top floor of the mall. So you walk out of the door and you're in this sort of upstairs lobby thing area, not part of the lobby of the movie theater. It's like these glass doors. Anyway, I walk out of the glass doors of the actual movie theater lobby into just the mall. And I see a big group of my friends walking in to see it. And they're just like, oh, we're going to see Jackass 2 right now. And they're like, you want to come? And I go, yeah, fuck it. So I just literally turn around, walk right back into the theater, buy another ticket, went and watched Jackass 2 again about 20 minutes later. And that really is an example of how much I love this movie. Yeah, I did a full rewatch for this, obviously, because you know we were watching the fourth one. And I absolutely agree that number two is the best. And yeah, the stunts, man. I mean, just starting out with Puppet Show... The Valentine right after that? Yeah, dude. I mean, the brand. I mean, Beehive Limo. Oh, my God. Beehive Limo. Also, just dude, also, I this is such a small one, but I love the bungee jump when Wee Man and Preston are linked together and jump off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. And the first one, he just lands, like, right on him. Yup. Also, dude, again, this is, like, 30 seconds maximum of the film. Uh, mm-hmm. where we Man's just naked and just like walks into like a, a room and just like walks across a table and walks out. And that's the entire <laughs> Yes, yes. There's just so many little great moments in this one. Also, like something that sticks out for me being my biggest fear in the world is snakes. It's really probably my only fear. It's like very irrational fear. And uh, Bam has that similar fear. Yeah. And so just like I'll never forget the whole thing where they lock him in the back of the fucking like bus thing and they just throw in a goddamn poisonous. What is it? It's a cobra, right? I think so. Yeah, it's a cobra. Because it's three where they throw in like hundreds of snakes. Dude, also the anaconda ball pit. Okay, anaconda ball pits. That's insane. That's insane. What are you doing? Knoxville just gets shredded his arm is just (laughs) ripped to pieces by this fucking snake i know fuck and then of course like spike jones and johnny both dressing up as old guys old ladies just ridiculous spike is so fucking funny in these movies he's so funny and i mean we cannot forget to mention the big the big grand finale terror taxi uh yeah that's just bonkers absolutely insane it's truly insane i mean we'll just tell you what happens they have uh mike i can you pronounce his name uh oh, jay chandra sekar chandra yes Sekar from of course um broken lizard so they have him play a cab driver 
And the whole thing is that Danger Aaron is supposed to be pranking a cab driver by posing as a terrorist, which sounds pretty ridiculous as it is and a little bit like, oh boy. It's definitely more than a little bit, oh boy, to yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, I'm putting it lightly there. But uh, they they end up convincing him to wear a fake beard, which of course they secretly, it's made out of all of their pubic hair. So he's wearing this beard. He gets in the cab, thinks he's going to be pranking this random cab driver. And so Jay ends up playing a driver who like retaliates against him. And he ends up, what is it? He pulls out a gun, makes him get in the trunk. The trunk yeah. yes. And then like drives him around and like danger. Aaron literally thinks he's going to die. And then they're all just like standing outside of the fucking trunk, just dying, laughing. It is, it is honestly like, Maybe the furthest they've ever taken it. Do you think, Mike? It's it's definitely up there. And it's one like similar to like Band with Snakes. Like Aaron is just not happy afterwards. You know, like he's not like normally they laugh when they get each other doing silly shit. He's just like so, so fucking like shaken. And then they tell him it's pubes and he's even less happy. Yeah, he's much less happy. But they, they tend to end it on sort of a big one. And because what in Jackass one, isn't it the toy car up his ass, up Steve-O's ass? Uh, no, no, it's not up Steve-O's ass. It's up. Uh... It's Ryan Dunn. It's Ryan Dunn. Because that's OK. That is what happens is Steve-O gets offered it. And I'll never. This is something that stuck with me throughout childhood as well. When Steve-O's like, you know, like there's nothing worse than just like your parents being disappointed in you. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. He's like, and I brought up the toy car idea and it was just like, I got that vibe. And so he's like, I just couldn't do it. And then of course, Dunn does it. (laughs) The fucking doctor. It looks like you shoved it up your ass. (laughs) And he just pulls him aside and he's like, look, don't tell anyone. Just go, go to the hospital. (laughs) And the original Jackass film is the, Second best of the franchise. Very close call. They're both very good. They're they're very close. I honestly like I'm a, they would be my number two and one. I wanted variety in here. I didn't want to double up on a on a franchise. Yeah, yeah. But they're both incredible. And three three is I think a little it's not nearly as good as those two. It's still a great time with the boys. But yeah, Jackass Two Man, just unbelievable. Still can watch it today. Just I, I've probably seen this movie like 30 times. Still hits. Absolutely. Still agree. hits. All right. Should we uh, recap? Let's do it. All right. Uh, my M5, Project Almanac, 4, Orange County, 3, Napoleon Dynamite, 2, Hustle and Flow, 1, Coach Carter. And I am 5, Orange County, 4, Varsity Blues, 3, Zoolander, 2, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and 1, Jackass number 2. Orange County, the only crossover. I love that. I'm impressed. Um, so yeah, there was big ones that I left off my list that were definitely in my top ten. You covered almost all of them. The big miss for me is Election. I think that movie is really good. I, I wanted it to be there. I couldn't put it in. I think it doesn't get talked about it enough because Reese Witherspoon obviously has another movie that comes out around the same time where she's just massive and just sort of becomes mm-hmm. a, a massive celebrity. And I think it over overlooks election a little bit. I mean, or causes us to overlook election a little bit, but it's really great. She's like terrifying in it. She plays a great sort of villain character and her interplay with Matthew Broderick is awesome. Dude, I haven't seen that forever. I have to I actually have to give that a rewatch. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's I watched it, I don't know, probably most recently like a year ago. And it was yeah, it's still great. Well, I got to say, probably the biggest, um, there was two that were like pretty big omissions for me, but I'd say the biggest one for me is 1996's Beavis and Butthead to America. Mm, yeah. um, I'm quite a fan of this movie. I like Beavis and Butthead. It hasn't had as much like rewatchability as some of these other films that I had in my top five. But with that said, like I get a kick out of this, you know, whenever I have seen it, I, I feel like it, you don't see it around too much anymore, although I believe they're reviving beavis and butthead right i i kind of heard something but i don't know like in what form yeah i don't know all the details but either way it's it's had them a bit top of mind for me lately 
And honestly, like, it's great. It's like if you've never seen Beavis and Butthead, it's a great way to intro yourselves to the character. To the characters, sorry. But yeah, and by the way, I just looked it up. There will be new Beavis and Butthead. It's going to be a, a new movie, but they're going to they're going to look older. Oh, right. OK, interesting. But yeah, I'd say, Mike, I don't know. The one other one I want to throw out there, which I don't know if you have any agreement on this, is 2005's Get Rich or Die Trying. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's worth a watch. It's It's been a while for me as well. I thought about going back and rewatching it. I, I couldn't fit it, but it is, it's definitely worth it for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like 50 cents version of 8 Mile. It's not quite as good as 8 Mile, but it's a good movie still. It's a fun movie to watch. I think, yeah, so the ones that are like, they weren't in my top 10. They're sort of just outside that I think are definitely worth it are Better Luck Tomorrow, which is like the non, I mean, the sort of now canon, not canon Fast and Furious film. I think it's pretty good. Um, I really like the Adam Sandler, The Longest Yard. I actually prefer it to the original, which is like sacrilege, but I think that film is like, is pretty fun. And also I, I have to say it, I'm, I'm a fan of Pootie Tang. I think Pootie Tang is really fun still. Pootie Tang? A watch. I like The Longest Yard, the, the Sandler version. I like Blades of Glory. I think that's about it for me. I do remember seeing the perfect score in theaters back in 2004. Oh, but The perfect score is still, I don't know if it fully, it's like on the border for me where like there's a lot of, I think the last 30 minutes is really good. Like once you get to know the characters, I mean, it has Chris Evans and ScarJo in it. So there's that. Uh, it's not incredibly well written, but it has a certain charm to it that I, I think it may be worth it, but it's definitely more on the fence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you there. But I think that's a wrap on MTV Entertainment Studios cool. films. Love it. It's been it's been a good time this week, y'all. If you have not yet, we would super appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts, went to Top Fives and Deep Dives, and just really quickly wrote a five star review. It helps us get noticed. Um, if you are interested in bonus episodes, like earlier on the pod, I had mentioned our catch ups, recurring series. We have a Movies We Hadn't Seen recurring series. We have bonus episodes every couple of weeks. Um, check out our Patreon. We have links on all our social medias. It's super cheap. It's either $1 a month, $3 a month. And we pump out a lot of bonus content. If you're really into the pod, it's a fun way to support us uh, if you're able. Social media, you know where to find us. Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives. Twitter at Top Dives. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who's been listening lately. And we'll see you next week. Now, here's some real Topeka people. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're tired of PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius. My God, what a delightful treat.